My name is Tim. I won't tell you my last name. None of us will ever tell you our last name. Except for Jenna. If I tell you my last name, the Yerks could find me. Yerks probably aren't real. I'm reading a book that was written for middle schoolers. I'm Tim. I'm Alex. I'm Megan. Hey guys, how are you? Potato. Ah, still got it in, didn't you? Can't fool me. I knew it was a trick. <laughs> I knew how are you doing was a quick a trick question. And I still got in my potato under the line. Under the gun. Nice. How do words work? It's under... a good thing I don't need to use them for the next hour and a half. I think under the line works. I mean, I think everybody knew what you meant. So should I, like, Pee Wee Herman this and start, ah! The potato's the word of the day? Yep. Yeah, you know what? If we say potato again, everybody scream. I like that. We'll okay. roll with it. Uh, so this time, this fortnight, I'm not letting that joke go, uh, we read book 24, which was The Suspicion. So what did y'all think of book 24? Um, honestly, one thought ran through my mind I guess two thoughts ran through my mind for the entirety of this book. The first was, well, somebody binge-watched Flying Circus. I've never seen Flying Circus. Or Monty Python in general. Oh, Monty. Oh, okay. I thought that was a kid's show that you were talking about. No, I'm talking about this is the most Monty Python-ass Animorphs book that I have ever, or that so far we have reread. Agreed. Uh, My second thought was, oh, I cannot wait to hear Tim try to summarize this. (laughs) Yeah, Buck Wild kept kept running through my mind. You know what the other term that ran through my mind was? Um, potato? <laughs> quantum entanglement. Uh, ah. <laughs> it was it was quantum entanglement. I was like, this is this is an Ant-Man story, I think. Sort of, but way more Buck Wild. Yes, the Animorphs go to the microverse. Yeah. What did you think, Mac? It was definitely the weird ass story that I guess I remember being much sooner in the series. Like, this is not a serious book. No. They tried. It is not. (laughs) There were multiple points during which I thought, how is this not a Marco book? Yeah. Like, I was glad Marco became Cassie's sidekick for it. Yes. Because this screams Marco plot. Honestly, I'm glad it's not a Marco book. Marco did get in some good, uh, good moments in this one. He did. Yeah. If there is a polar opposite to a Tobias book, I think this is it. Yeah. Yeah, I came out of this one going, I remember why I hated this book as a kid, but I completely now understand why it's necessary to have this book. Would you say you still hate it? No, I don't hate it now. Okay. I just, like, imagine you're waiting for your Animorphs, your very serious war-driven stories. Yeah. These books fighting for their lives, and then you get this. Yeah. It's necessary because, holy shit, we have still not come off of the David stuff and had, like, a moment to relax. It's true. Okay, so I'm going to summarize this thing as best I can. Oh, please do. I am am waiting. 
Book 24, The Suspicion. Rachel and Cassie see a toy spaceship on a water pump. They donate it to Goodwill. They see another one and it flies away. They go to Goodwill to get the first one. And it shoots Jake. There's some bird on starship fighting. The starship steals the blue box and shrinks Cassie, Marco, and Tobias. The aliens are called Helmacrons. The Helmacrons try to steal the box again. Rachel tries to stop them with a brick. Cassie's dad shows up and axes Kennedy's. The gang morphs roaches. Axe is a wolf spider. The Helmicrons attack Axe and he must demorph. Cassie and Marco get taken prisoner. Their captain is super dead. He's pining for the fjords. <laughs> she. <laughs> yeah, she. Cassie hatches a plan to lead them to Visser 3. They find Visser 3 on his way to Earth, then shoot him in his human morph face. Cassie and Marco decide it's too dangerous and more flies to get out. They get really small. They see the cells of a Helmocron get drakund. Cassie and Marco end up on Chapman at the sharing. The Helmocrons steal the blue box and shrink Visser 3. The Galaxy Blaster is dead. The Planet Crusher has the blue box. Cassie morphs a whale to stop the Planet Crusher. They get caught by a hand. Axe removes the hand's thumb and takes the ship. Axe has a tiny Helmocron ship with tiny Cassie, Marco, and Tobias on it. And tiny Jake and Rachel, who have been shrunk at this point. On his leg running from tiny Visser 3 as he is chased by controllers. Axe reaches a point where he must morph human, but Cassie says, do a bird instead and go to the gardens. Cassie realizes that new morphs won't be shrunken, so they find an anteater. They hold all the little ones hostage until they can be put back, including the Yerks. Jake and Cassie make plans to go to the beach while the Helmicrons fly away. And that was book 24. Ever have written a run-on sentence, that's it right there. <laughs> About three quarters of the way through that thing. There was a lot going on when they were on Axe. Yeah. Including uh, the briefest, the shortest team-up in history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that. It lasted basically none. Yeah. Like, nothing <laughs> happened. It lasted long enough for Jake and Mr. 3 to make eye contact, and then the Animorphs would be like, Bye! <laughs> and jump off Axe. So... I, I'm assuming that in order to get shrunk in your extra mass goes to Z-Space, same as morphing. Presumably. Yeah. Because they are tapping into transformational energy. Yeah, yeah that's it's still all part of the blo blue box. That's true. Part of part of the Energon morphin grid, whatever. <laughs> whatever uh, mystical force united all popular 90s properties. <laughs> the Elemist. The Elemist. <laughs> Elemist juice, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. They all harness that Elemist stink. Please stop. <laughs> so, I I don't even know where to start with this one. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Yeah. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> beach trip. <laughs> awkward, more importantly, awkward Jake post-beach trip. Yeah. Uh, and then Cassie not understanding awkward beach Jake and having to have it explained to her. Yeah, it's like, neither. They're both so dumb in this moment. <laughs> they're just we, young. We don't normally get dumb Cassie. In fact, one might argue with this, we get just cunning cutthroat Slytherin Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> the plan 
to sick them on just on Visser three, just three, on Visser three. <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> That's a uh, that was a pretty stellar plan. I thought. That was, I mean, I hadn't thought of that either. I was like, hey, you're looking for our enemy. Now go bug him. I thought that was fun. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be honest. I was like, if this were me, here's what I would do. Oh, Cassie's going for it. <laughs> Cassie's a fairly confident person. It is fun to see her get a little rattled. I mean, do I need to explain teenage girls? Is that what's going yeah, on here? The, sure. I feel like it's a little late for that to be helpful. <laughs> Maybe not to the listeners. Are you sure? If, if you can go back in time and explain it to me. Uh, how old am I now? About 17 years ago. It might be useful. Just call me when you're a dad. How about that? I'm that friend who the teenagers or my friend's teenagers go to for advice i've got it now <laughs> so you so you have life figured out or life as a teenager figured out yes one <laughs> of those for sure hey mag you know what i definitely did do while reading this one what specifically did you do? while reading cassie's father i what did, did read you? him in the voice of clive babineau yes it's it so good perfectly especially the just go home yep oh it's so good i can just see it now i'm so happy if you are not in our discord you missed us casting the entirety of the animorphs parents with actors from rob thomas shows including cassie's two dads clive <laughs> and wallace yes. <sighs> not ready for eyes on me to end it's going to happen in like two days it's okay it'll be okay Hopefully that Lost Boys pilot reshoot goes well and we get Lost Boys next season. Hell yeah. So where do y'all think the Helmicrons came from? When, well, actually that probably doesn't work here because they're this hive mind with a sex-based social structure. So I was going to say when two Helmicrons love each other very much, but that doesn't <laughs> actually track. No. Are they a hive mind? Yeah, well, whenever they get absorbed when one of them dies or something like that. I mean, okay, so it's not but a that's true hive really mind. hive mind. But they do gain they do gain memories in a sort of collective consciousness. Yeah. When one dies, um, I'm gonna go with space. Space <laughs> seems like a safe answer to your question. I think they came from space. But I asked that question because I wonder if they have a tiny planet, or if they have a normal sized planet, and there's just like gajillions of them on the normal sized. What Here's... defines a normal sized planet? Is Jupiter a normal sized planet? Is Earth a normal-sized planet? The answer to both of those is yes, with Jupiter <laughs> being a Pluto? gas giant. Pluto, however, not a normal-sized planet, hence not being one anymore. Excuse oh, wait, me, I thought it, it was a planet. back now. And then they change it, is... it back? No. Oh, they have It's a dwarf planet. Which has planet in the name, which means it's a planet, which it's I've never not understood. A, planet. a dwarf planet's not a planet. Then it it's a shouldn't call it a planet. It's like calling fool's gold fool's gold. It's not gold. <laughs> But gold's in the name. I suppose you have a point there. It's <laughs> Poor little Pluto. So do we think that came from Pluto? Because it's not a planet? They have a dwarf no. planet? Here is my theory on the Helmicrons. At one time they had a planet. And then they all went to space. And they all left their planet to go conquer. And these are the last two Helmicron ships in existence. Because all they do is fight each other and yeah. get stepped on. <laughs> this, this tracks... Uh, so now the last one yes. Helmicron ship. They're down to the final Helmicron ship. And because they they venerate their dead, because the dead can make no mistakes, really that's just their goal is all dying. Yeah. 
And it sounded like they were off to a good start by the time they left yeah. this one, too. The logic of having a dead captain is, like, it's... Uh, you find it logical no. if you don't think about it too hard. It, it yeah. is logical if, if you don't think about it too hard. That's that's exactly what I was saying. It's like, I could make no arguments yeah. to their comment. It's like, <laughs> eh, dead captain can't make any mistake. Well, all right, you got me there. Well, look, if the it weighs is, as much as a duck, it must be made of wood. And wood's not alive, so we want a wooden captain. I just want to know how the captain gives orders. Is it one of those Careful. things where they, like, spin the captain? And where the captain points? I gotta say, that is my favorite party game, spin the captain. It, I want the I want the Magic 8 captain, where they put him in, like, a water tank, and then they write phrases on him. Yeah, they, whichever way the dead captain points. If they really need to deliberate on something, they, they go into the captain's quarters for a minute, and they have themselves seven minutes in the helm. Seven minutes in heaven. Yeah. I mean, I got it. I just don't know if I... Tim was drawing a blank there. Oh. I can see it in his eyes. Gotcha. No, I'll accept it wasn't very good. <laughs> Tim just didn't get it either. Um, yes, let's talk about this. So the warrior class is the female Helmicrons. Right. The slave class is the male Helmicrons. Yes. If you're another species and you're enslaved, regardless of your sex, they identify you as male because you are a slave. I don't think males are slaves because they say there is a difference. Like, because Cassie says I'm a female and he goes, no, you're a slave. I don't think that they're exactly the same. I see what you're but saying. He he referred to them both as males and Cassie said, I'm a female. And he said, no, you're a slave as in no, you're a slave. So you are male. Because he then goes on to say to Marco, if we kill you, then you could become our captain, which is by definition a female role. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I get what you're saying. I'm going I to, just don't I'm know. I'm going to give the Helmicrons the benefit of the doubt. They're many, 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 many failures aside. They understand gender is fluid. That's fair. <laughs> I was trying to find the description of them. Yeah, it was too. I mean, they basically look like... Bug the Forager from DC Comics if they were blue and had four legs. But then there are people like me who don't have a clue what you're saying. Well, that's what Google's for, okay? <laughs> they have a sort of rounded cone-shaped head with a flat top, spherical eyes that sit on top. They are bluish. They have a basically uh, humanoid torso and then four legs instead of two coming out of that torso. Also, they're like a sixteenth of an inch tall. Yes. I did like that Axe did give them the benefit of the doubt of like, hey, just because their ship's small doesn't mean they're small. Yeah. Did uh, either of you look at the portrait of the anteater? Yes, I have it up right Because it does have tiny little helmicrons. Those? Magnified a hundred times. Are insanely creepy. They remind me of like Lego people. They do. They have flat heads with antennas coming out. They look like something from an episode of Monster Factory. That is what they look like. I will take your word off. Wait. Nope. It's like an optical <laughs> illusion. I thought one of them had five legs. <laughs> so, can we talk about the uh, one of the just most obnoxious characters introduced in this series to date? Yes. The Donation Center employee? who decides to perform a knowledge check on the group by quizzing them about what kind of ship it is oh, that got yeah. donated that they want. Yeah. To be fair, I think he has a good point. He's like, what is it? 
if you come out with anything else, you can't have it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I get enough of a vibe from 2019 of the, well, let me make sure you're really a fan. I did not get that vibe, actually. Did y'all realize there are real people in the portrait? Yes. I did not. Yeah, there's also, I think, um, the cat's probably in there somewhere, or something about the cat. Orson is in the the cat. Um, what? Yeah, what what are we talking about? The person who did the art for all, we talked about this a long time ago. Um, The person who did the art, these portraits, um, would occasionally, either every book or every, like, so often, I can't remember exactly the frequency, put a reference to his cat somewhere in the in the artwork. I see. All of these kids look very bored by anteaters, and I feel like that's unfair to anteaters. Anteaters are cool. I honestly could not tell you if I've ever actually seen an anteater. They're very cool. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you if I've seen one either. If you look very carefully at the crowd observing the anteaters on the step back of the book, you can make out a cat poking its head between the two of the people. Oh maybe? Yeah, I see it. I I can't be sure. I see him. I see Hello, the kitty. Yes, the guy who created him. Um, the last time I know for sure we saw one was book five, Marco's book. There was some Orson group. Oh, I do remember that. So, we have an entire race of aliens that are Rachel's. Marco's greatest nightmare. Yeah, sometimes... One of my favorite things is that there's a lot of Rachel Marco shippers, and sometimes I can kind of see it, and sometimes there's like these books. <laughs> where it's like, no, they don't particularly like each other at all. I never get the Rachel Rachel Marco shipping. We've been over that before, though. Yeah. I did enjoy after Cassie and Marco were captured, uh, the insistence that they grovel on the part of the Homer <laughs> That was some great groveling. Yeah. Marco replies, look, we don't know how to grovel appropriately. You may grovel in the custom of your own people. Okay, and Marco like kicks back like he's sunning himself on the beach. That was that was a good Marco moment. That's that may be the best Marco yeah, moment. It, he was absolutely the appropriate one for that moment. Yeah, we should probably talk about the blue box antics in the course of all of this as well. Sure. Um, the blue box was hiding out in this antique water pump that was just in the barn. No, it's not in the barn. Yeah, it's not I in think the barn. it's a little ways from the barn. It is okay. on the property. Yeah, okay. it's not in the barn. Uh, and that is where, after they recovered the cube, Cassie hid it. And there it stayed until the Helicrons found it. And for the rest of this book, it's this weird tug of war, basically, between the Animorphs and the Helicrons for control of the cube. And eventually the Yerks. And eventually the Yerks, who give up surprisingly easily on that one. Yeah, I, I must admit, the way they get out of this situation is not my favorite thing. But uh, even liking the rest of the book, I was like, well, that's not okay. This yeah. could have been thought out just a little bit more. We don't know where they put the cube after this yet. The last I think we saw it, X was holding it, right? Yeah. He was holding the yeah. spaceship. Yeah. Well, he was... He likely should be in charge of it, yes. The last full-sized Animorph standing. Yeah. I really thought Visitor 3 somehow came down to Earth because the box had come out into the open. We don't really get, like, he's just there for a meeting, right? Yeah, for like, a it's share. a sharing meeting. Mm-hmm. I just, like, in book two, we had got these holograms. Why is he leaving the ship? Well, you know, at this point, his infiltration of Earth has been going on for a while. 
maybe the Council of Thirteen cut his budget after Visser One complained about how how many resources were being diverted. Man, we haven't seen Visser One in a while. I can't see how a plane trip would be cheaper than teleconferencing. Well, they own the ship and use space fuel sources, not fossil fuels. That's true. Maybe maybe Visser One requisitioned the hardware to hologram teleconference. They were Maybe someone needs to be like disciplined. They had a, a software license agreement that ran out and they didn't renew it. Oh that's it. Yeah, yeah. you know that 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 space software as a service will really bite you. <laughs> Jesus. Uh hey kids, software as a service is a scam. <laughs> um the more you know <laughs> We never really learned why he was there, though, because at the end of the day, all he does is sit there and gloat about stopping a tiny spaceship full of tiny aliens. A task he did not even particularly successfully complete. When you are that down in the weeds, and you're not winning a lot of battles, you take them where you can get. (laughs) And you make your minions, who are terrified of you, support you. There's like this split of Visser 3. Where he was Esplan, and I liked him a lot, and then he became Visser 3, and I, I, he's dumb. But uh, when he looks at the Animorphs and says, this group is annoying, let's go kill them. I was like, there's, there's my Esplan. There he is. And then immediately, like 10 seconds later, he's like, nope, mine changed. In his defense, the Animorphs did, like, stop and have a conversation about running away. Yeah, that's true. Which either played as two things. Either he heard all of that. Or they just stood there staring at each other for a moment (laughs) and then bolted. (laughs) Definitely the latter. But then I I did like how Mr. 3 realized that, I I mean, he was beat at the end. He's like, yeah, okay, just get me back to full size. I don't understand why they did it. I mean, I I get it. He had. He had to buy us. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like they could have worked around that. I mean, he had Tobias, he didn't have any barbecue sauce, he knew he was beaten. Oh my god. (laughs) He literally was gonna eat Tobias, what do you want from me right now? Already sore, because I didn't get barbecue sauce when I asked for it today, okay? Don't put it on one of my favorite characters. Well then you know how Vister 3 feels. (laughs) No. But I don't understand why they let all the humans go back, or the controller humans go back to full size. Like, scoop those assholes up and hold them till they're yurks. I guess you can't, like, leave them with the new hork people. But I guess also you can't be sure they're not, like, voluntary. Yeah, also, I mean, do tiny yurks still, could a tiny yurk still control a brain? If they just pieced out of those controllers, could they take over someone else? That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that one. I had thought about it, that the Helmocrons, they were worried about the Helmocrons getting away, and then those humans would just be left tiny forever. Yeah. So I I imagine that was more their thought, was fix the humans, not necessarily the Yerks. Follow-up question. Why didn't the Helmocrons just make themselves bigger instead of making a few (laughs) people smaller? Listen... Maybe the women knew how to do one, and men knew how to do the other, and that was it. What they should have done was design special suits for for themselves, much like the Yerkbots that we talked about. Yeah. Giant, giant robots. When in doubt, just crank it. Yep. Exactly. I wonder, I wonder how different this book would have been had they chosen that as, a, as an avenue. Well, then it's... 
suddenly aliens are shooting up and down town San Diego. <laughs> I just don't think it would have been quite as lighthearted a book as it was. It would have been actual death and destruction and terror. Yeah, like buildings would have been blown up. The public at large would know, hey, aliens exist. <laughs> you know there'd be some military involvement. Shit would escalate very quickly. <laughs> Cassie and Marco morph while they are tiny, tiny people into flies. And there is a moment where Cassie says, across the flat head of the Helmicron came something no human eye would ever see, at least not in all of its horrifying detail. I think we both knew right away what it was, but your mind doesn't want to believe what it is seeing. What are they seeing? They're seeing that Dracon flash yeah. melt cell by cell. The oh, I thought that happened later. No, I think it just takes a minute Damn. for the description to circle back around. I just was really hoping yeah. that they were seeing some like really weird bullshit inside this head. The, the, the way I read it was that it... Even smaller yurks. That time sort of affected slower. So I think it just took a while for the whole thing to take effect, at least from their fly perspective. Because you get that whole description about how the Dracon is different than a Shredder. Well, okay, what's going on is they are so small they can see the individual cells in the Helmicron. Right. Yeah, that's why I was like, are yeah. they seeing into this? Well, they do at one point. They do leading up to that scene to them because Marco's like, they're not all different colors. Mitochondria aren't green. Um, to which Cassie says, shut up, you're a fly. <laughs> yeah. Um... They can see cell by cell. We'd learned before that the difference between a Shredder and a Dracon is a Shredder is instant death and painless, mm -hmm. and Dracons are slow and ragged and torturous. Yes. And what they see is, like, the wave of energy erupting cell after cell after cell after cell. It would be like, imagine you're standing on a floor that is covered in water balloons, and those and water balloons, like, erupt and explode into steam in a wave approaching you. Not as fun as I was hoping that <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That sounds like fun to me. That sounds like a fun, fun iteration of the floor is lava. Watching death and destruction. Yeah, why not? What else are you going to do when you're a microscopic fly? I am surprised. So at one point, oh, maybe that has, maybe I made. Oh, do I need to take off the headphones? They've morphed into fleas. Yes. yes. Is there a smaller animal than fleas? tardigrades no not okay maybe i made it up <laughs> i thought you meant they'd morph tardigrades and i was like i don't remember that one no that was one that had we in no not just forgotten slash ran out of time consistently slash whatever and abandoned fanfic that was when i was going <laughs> to pull out of my back pocket was a tardigrade morph i would love to know how you would have acquired a tardigrade morph very carefully <laughs> I'm trying to remember if there's a story plot, and if there is, I'm sorry, but I literally cannot think of what animal it would be. Where they try to morph it, and it is so small that there's something about it either snaps them into space or snaps them somewhere else, or something fucks up and they're like, nope, never trying that again. But if they're morphing into a flea, I cannot think of something that would cause well, that. That was that was kind of the mosquito thing, right? Like, the explanation for how they wound up in Z-Space when they were going to drink the secret agent's blood was, we morphed so small that there was this snapback effect. Yeah, but and I like, thought it was because they got hit by yeah, something. Yeah, that, that was the ship that, that drugged them in, right? Yeah. They woke up... It was a combination of morphing so small that most of their mass was in space, and the Z-space field from the ship yeah. or something like that. Yeah, right. And probably some amount of Elemist bullshit. <laughs> that too. 
also a dropped plot line, I think, of, yeah. you know, evil Andalites. But it was very much like a, a, under these certain circumstances, there is a percentage chance of this happening in that case. Yeah, I guess it's just a good thing that Marco and Cassie didn't die when they're like, most of their mass is already out in Z-space from, you know, being shrink and yeah. then being turned into a microscopic fly or even smaller than a microscopic I wonder if it went to different places in Z-space. Well, it didn't that last time, so we'd think it wouldn't again. But I mean, you got you got two different things. Oh, like here. yeah, the 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 human mass and the mass that they lose when they morph. Smaller. Right, right, right. Gotcha. I wonder if they were. I mean, it's it's a good question, but it's also statistically insignificant. We're talking like yeah, you're right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, versus. <laughs> I mean. That was, yeah. That was a good example for the audio medium. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to, you know. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe it. Hands far apart, hands close together. <laughs> That's what just happened. That's there for those go. of you who can't parse context. <laughs> but and like course, Tim, she's, she's the other Tim. Yes, she's she's very right. <laughs> all of all of our other Jakes listening. <laughs> It does provide us a useful segue for something I would like to talk about that I feel like has come up before on the show, and if so, feel free to stop me. The Square Cube Law. The Square Cube Law. No, I don't remember this. Okay. This is something that Cassie and Marco, like, kind of argue with each other about for a while, and the later Cassie even almost mentions and then kind of gets wrong. The Square Cube Law... It has to do with the relationship between scale and mass. If you are reduced in size by a quarter, let's say, then your mass, you, your, your height is a quarter of what it was, your width, your depth, all of those are a quarter of what they were, but your mass changes by the cube of those dimensions. Oh, no, that makes so sense. So you, you, you lose mass uh, 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 geometrically, at a faster rate than you lose 3D dimension. And when you gain mass, you gain at a faster rate. Which, again, they kind of allude to here and there, but this is, like, this is the actual explanation for why like, they find it easier to move and why uh, they have more energy when they're smaller after being shrunk down, why it's so much easier to fly, why Tobias can carry, in terms of relative size, more because he is he is shrunk down to a sixteenth of an inch, and Cassie and Marco are shrunk down to a sixteenth of an inch. So by comparison, he has lost less mass than they have. Right. He's still lost mass relative to size. And then they shrink even smaller, and even though they're fairly large animals, he can carry two of them at once because they're that much smaller, because they've lost uh what they've lost eight cubed times their mass. As opposed to eight squared their dimensions. No, that makes sense. I think that's two sixty or I think that's that's two hundred and fifty six. Like one over their their mass is the original mass divided by two fifty six. So if they were uh a hundred pounds, they'd be less than like a half of a pound. I don't math in my head <laughs> for a reason. No, more than that, like point oh 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 five of a pound i feel like alex needs a whiteboard alex has a whiteboard in his closet i can i can go get it <laughs> little squeaky markers yes i i can make squeaky marker sounds into the microphone squeak 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 
at any rate, uh, this is this is the actual explanation, the square cube law. So I had the enjoyment of walking around downtown um, city that I work in, where there may or may not be some very tall buildings around the time where um, there's a lot of comparison to size and even like an apology for being like, I'm sorry for talking about size so much, but for like, seriously, this is fucking ridiculous. And the scene where Jake falls on the ground and Cassie is staring up at a zit that is larger than her, but also Jake's head is, I think she said a 30 story building. I just immediately looked up at the building and could just like see an outline of a head. It was a lot of fun to be like, oh. Personally, my disappointment in this book is that at no point did any of the Animorphs get to walk on water. Because they are so light, they probably would not break surface tension on water. I uh, probably wouldn't. I hadn't thought of that either. I had a hard time tracking, like, until they narrowed it down a little bit later, their actual size. Like, the first bit of this, I had a. I guess I had the wrong idea in my head of how small they'd gotten. Well, I don't... Axe explains how small they got. Yeah, Did I you know. just not glaze over that? No, oh, okay. like, that's what I'm saying, but that was a little bit I later glazed on. over that. Like, the first half, I was like, oh, they got shrank. It, or shrunken. I don't know. Um, they shrunkified. Yeah, and I, I guess they had... I just had it in my head they were a few inches, but then it sounded like everything I read was not relatively so, correct to that. The ship is about, what, the size of my phone, I guess we would say? Yeah, that's, that seems wise. pretty accurate. So think about, like, a plane. Yeah. You're not, like, a fifth of a plane. No. But I think that's how I had it in my head. Because I think I knew that that, that that ship was four inches, and I was like, none of this is working out, you know? And then once they, they brought up the whatever it was, one sixteenth of an inch. Oh, okay, they're way smaller than I thought they were. We do get how tall Cassie is. For some people that don't give any information about themselves, we do know that t- Cassie is like four foot, like six ish, eight ish. I can't remember. She's under five feet. Yeah. You do not get Sour Patch Kids. No, nope. oh, sorry. Is she talking to us? I think so. Wow. You don't get them either, but <laughs> I was not, I thought I hit mute. <laughs> <laughs> Cue Ron Howard voice. <laughs> she didn't hit mute. <laughs> I think. This book gets a lot of flack. The Helcons get a lot of flack. And I can understand yeah, it. Uh, I think it's a bit of, it's a ridiculous book. We can all agree that, right? Like, even the parts that we're, like, supposed to take serious, where it's, like, Axe almost dies as a as a spider. You can't, because they're all super tidy. Like, even Cassie, who's like, I know I shouldn't be laughing, but I'm laughing right I mean, now. after a book of the Animorphs fighting the Frenchman from Monty Python and the Holy Grail... When Axe loses those legs as a spider, my brain's first thought is, it's just a flesh yep. wound. Yep. I mean, this was really just one Monty Python joke in my head after another. If this book gets any flack, I am definitely going to have to say it deserves every bit of it. If this book gets any flack, I point to those people and tell you these are people who cannot feel joy. <laughs> got a bright rainbow-colored cover... We've got a cool animal. We've got actual aliens in the opening illustration. We have the best version of Marco. We do. It's a great version of Marco. We're seeing Cassie do a lot of things that I think define Cassie that people kind of forget define her. I mean, Cassie's element is pulp adventure hero. Throw her into Land of the Lost with Dinosaurs? On it. Shrink her down on strange sci-fi adventures? On it. Cassie's true calling is Pulp Adventure Hero. Let's see her on Mars. 
I'm down for it because then the alternative is Cassie having a moral dilemma, which we don't get here. And I think that's why I really now enjoy this. No, that tracks. I mean, there are a couple of points near the end where it does hint at, and Mr. Thiel's like, no, don't worry. You don't have to go into an ethical quandary over this. Well, yeah, where she's about to eat the Helmicrons. <laughs> yes, and Mr. 3 is the one who's like, no, look, it's fine. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm like, he is lying, he is lying, and they all know he's lying, and none of them is saying anything, <laughs> because we've only got like 15 pages left, and it's Cassie. And I adore Cassie. I am very much in this boat with Cassie. But you know what? It has been a long day. Let's just threaten to eat the hell. <laughs> Who, spoiler alert, they never actually eat. Anyway, Cassie still gets to come out of this ethically. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of glad, because can you imagine, like, eating something that you can hear yelling at you until it dissolves? Like, that, those things aren't going to die until they hit stomach acid. At what point can you not hear thought speak? Well, I mean, if we go back to Megamorphs 2, even in the stomach acid, for some time, Marco and Rachel were still alive. Tobias and Rachel. Or Tobias and Rachel. Marco... Didn't Marco get eaten somewhere in there, too? No, I'm thinking of that time Axe ate Marco. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, can you just imagine, like, man, I got to find out how long my digestive system works, <laughs> and, oh, helicrons don't need oxygen. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I do appreciate their battle cries of, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're wonderfully terrible. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. They're fun. We needed it. We needed a break. I don't know where we're going next after this. But we just dealt with a lot of shit, and it was really good to just laugh. You know, Tim, I really can't believe that you didn't predict this book last episode. <laughs> Given my track record, me me either. Did we ask you if you would see Chapman? I think you didn't. I think I said no. Correct. Yep. And then as soon as I saw Chapman, I was like, way to go. Keeping my streak alive. Yep. Um. Yeah. It's amazing how the Elmicrons, like, if there is a way to subdivide and hate something, they absolutely find <laughs> it. Like, everybody on the other ship is the worst. Everybody other, you know, gender than them is the worst. You know, everybody other alien races than them, the worst. And they will To the point off. where they don't even, like, accurately draw all these lines in terms of reality. They just yep. reassign people to however they need to to fit. Yep their perception absolutely it's almost love... like bigotry is bad and toxic <laughs> i love their blog entries or journal yeah. entries i guess is appropriate i don't know it's more fun to think of it as a blog xoxo <laughs> helmicron girl space blog i love that they are the posthumous exhortation of the emperor yeah which nobody thinks about until you find out oh wait all oh, their leadership's dead <laughs> well no my first thought was how can an emperor tell you this posthumously? <laughs> how does, like, we still don't actually know how this works unless someone's job is like, okay, we've got this dead carapace hanging out with its gut full of swords. I guess I should write a journal for it. I mean, they absorb the brain. Oh, that's true. Actually, yeah. that does make sense, huh? This actually does kind of trap. I, you know yeah. what? Nothing is going. I was going to say ghosts. Spin the captain for me. <laughs> that is that is canon, and I love it. And that's how they. I do mean, things. I was going to say ghosts because I did read uh, a steampunk ghost, supernatural book today. They put them on a little circle and with a little arrow, and it points to all these different outcomes. 
Exactly. Oh, Visor 3 has a very deep understanding of these creatures. He does. When the fuck did Visor 3 encounter these creatures is what I want to know. I mean, the first question is, did he encounter them as while while controlling Aloran, or did he encounter them pre-Andalite Chronicles? Because I feel like it's two very different stories, one way versus the other. I mean... The basic answer is that he understands creatures well enough. Well, okay. The Yurk that we see in Fork Bajir Chronicles understands creatures enough, even though he is obsessed with Andalites, but he is a scientist and can process these things and realizes that that's not our Visor 3. So Visor 3 got smacked in the head by <laughs> these aliens. Okay, so we've established there was a period of time where Visor 3 did not get promoted quickly enough because of some embarrassing situation caught on camera. Maybe this is that embarrassing situation. Yes. Maybe somewhere on Andalite's Funniest Home Videos, or Yerk's Funniest Home Videos, I guess, the the grand prize winner was a video of Esplin trying to, or just repeatedly getting uh, 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 slammed into in the junk by <laughs> Galaxy Blaster or whatever. <laughs> like, he's trying to catch it, he's trying to slice it with his tail, and it just, like, zips around, like, boom, in Andalite junk. No, that, that and- makes me happy to know that creatures getting slammed in the junk is universal and not just <laughs> an, an Earth obsession. And I- this adds to why they clap when he catches or destroys one or whatever he does. <laughs> Yeah. This is why this entire sharing meeting becomes about him telling them that he finally got them. <laughs> he finally got them. He has finally taken down the Galaxy Blaster. His mortal enemies. I really, really wish we had gotten an Anamorph your team up. I'm very glad we didn't at the same time. Man, what a difference this world would have become. I, I would love for that to happen, but I would love for it to happen at an actual like worse evil than Visser 3. No, I think this would have been perfect. <laughs> if you're going to do it, it is against the most ridiculous aliens <laughs> on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And well, also I... then maybe we can figure out how the fuck to get big again. Yeah. I mean, it's this or we go find that Zoltan machine and see if it can do it for us. I'm referencing the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, yeah. no, I was actually just thinking about all the Animorphs being in that position. Okay. Were you picturing an entire team of Animorphs played by Tom yes. Hanks? You can admit it. Yes, I was. And then freaking Tom out. Tom Hanks would be a good Chapman. No. Don't make Tom. I just saw him in the um, Mr. Rogers trailer yesterday. Why they put that in front of a Tarantino movie? Don't make me cry before I go into a Tarantino movie. It'll make me cry enough. So this book doesn't really progress our story at all. I don't know. I think there could be some very serious implications of this book. Let's talk about what happens. Jake and Cassie go to the beach together. They have a date, yes. Yes, they have a beach date. Yeah, this kind of takes a backwards turn with that. I was like, God, don't they already know that they're into each other? They know that they're into each other. They've never seen each other in swimwear before. Which is bullshit. Weren't they both at that pool party? We yeah. didn't know that they were in swimwear at that pool party. Fair. Okay. Um. Yes, they both know that they're into each other, but like, yeah. do you not remember being- It's different. In it's middle that awkward grade, teenage- And you're like, I know you're into me, but this could change in like 40 seconds. <laughs> so I'm going to constantly just be worrying that like, you're going to dump me for the next person who walks by. Or, or, 
Like, theoretically, I'm probably dating some guy out there because it's like, oh, yeah, we never officially broke up. <laughs> but also it was like fifth grade. I, I don't know. So we have, like, is there a point when you're supposed to grow out of relationship anxieties? No. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, I was like, this this sounds like now. Me now, not me, teenager. This is becoming another podcast again. <laughs> if you are attracted to people that you're worried about it is going to change your mind in the next 40 seconds, there is a thing called therapy in your 30s that is either going to tell you, you are chasing the wrong people, or some serious deep-rooted issues that we need to work through and figure out why you feel this way. I thought this was therapy. That's why I come here every other Tuesday. Yes, and uh, it's time to talk about those unpaid invoices. <laughs> I mean, I have given sound relationship advice on this podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Don't date your best friend. I still stand by that. Um, you trying to remember my other relationship advice? No. No, I was I trying to move past Jake and Cassie have a beach date. <laughs> Sorry. We okay, talk- fine. Rachel and Cassie have a beach day. Woo! I mean, we haven't been given any indication that they're into each other like that. No, but I actually really, really love Cassie and Rachel books because... Everybody pictures them as, like, moral opposites, and they're both so serious in everybody else's books. And then it's like, like, and in in other people, you know, Jake is still viewed as a bit of a nerd who really loves comics, and, you know, when he's with Marco, he gets to relax. Like, everybody acknowledges that. And everybody's just like, ah, Tobias is a bird, and he's cool with it, Tobias. But Rachel is always angry in everybody else's book, and Cassie's always the moral, like, woe is me kind of vibe. And I love that this book starts with, like, Cassie being like, bitch, can, like, dirt get on you? Like, fuck yeah. you for being sitting here all pristine clean. And I look like a mess. And I loved it so much. No, it is very good. I am not knocking that at all. Um, we learn that Cassie's father is Clive Babineau, a very important development for, you know, our trying to secret that into the universe. Which is great, because if you watch iZombie and... Clive has to deal with a lot of shit when it comes to Liv. And then you've got Cassie's dad, who has to deal with a human ex, who's telling him that he is from African countries. <laughs> you don't look like you're from the Ivory Coast. <laughs> He's like, okay, does this country work? I am a Canadian. <laughs> uh, we learn that Chapman has a significant bald spot, and I think it's safe to say that in the future... He will invest as a principal, a vice principal in the nineties, in some kind of toupee. Ooh, to get rid of the mites. I mean, everybody has mites. I know, but that's still gonna be a nightmare. A nightmare. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we learn that Visser Three clearly has suffered some kind of genital trauma <laughs> at the hands of the Helmicrons. So if you like flinch at him, he's gonna probably actually hit you with his tail. Don't some, do that. Somewhere yeah. there is an, a Helmicron video telling you. If your defenses or your dragon beams are not working, then use this attack. And it is the ram to the junk. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else useful do we learn in this? Napoleon Complex is real. That Rachel can't have dirt stuck to her. We don't know. She never shows the palm of her hand where she catches it. It is intentionally left there. <laughs> do we get any more idea of like where in the country we think they are? I mean, I still stand by... Thanks to the description of of the animal park, it's got to be yeah SoCal and the Area Fifty One. It's it's, it's got to be the West Coast area there. Hey, do we think the Animorphs helped infiltrate Area Fifty One last weekend? Not all of them. 
Just the surviving members? <laughs> I feel like Marco would have. Marco categorically would not have. Marco would have been like, my dudes, I have seen enough of this. Uh, I do not okay. need to risk my life to see more. I feel like Marco out. would be like, why aren't you putting this energy into the kids at the border? Just saying. If any of them are going to be that way. It would be Cassie. And Marco. And Marco. Uh, and we learn that Cassie and Marco do not have to repopulate a Lilliputian world. I which do was appreciate apparently his on the table. Heartbreak. It, w- it was only on the table from one of them, it sounded like. But, you know, as, as he, as he m- mourned, lamented that I could hear how my heart will bleed for you played on the world's smallest fiddle. <laughs> Real talk. If Cassie took him up on this offer, how freaked out would Marco be? Are we talking some stuttering and then a joke? Are we talking goes really pale and doesn't know how to react? But I'm talking he would throw himself onto a Helmicron ship in fear. Yep. Both. All. Any kind of way to react in a freak-out manner. Because the the first thing that would come to his mind is, Oh god, do I tell Jake? How do I tell Jake? What do I tell Jake? I can never tell Jake. I have to tell Jake. Damn it. No, the first thing that would go from through his mind is, Wait, she said yes. What do I do now? The fuck? Hang on. Eventually, yes, Jake would come into the picture. Jake is not like in the first 100 thoughts, though. I was giving Marco the benefit of the doubt for once. Just because you liked him in this book. (laughs) I'm trying to not shit on Marco so much, okay? That's fine. I feel like there's enough in here to still shit on Marco, though. I mean, he does turn the female and male members of an entire alien race Uh against each other. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Basically just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Yeah. He also calls the male a wuss, or no, just names him wuss. I mean, to be fair, at that point, all I could think of was Game of Thrones and My Name is Reek. I don't get that at all. I know, but there are <laughs> listeners who will appreciate it. Don't get that. <laughs> I do have the it's first fine. Game of Thrones. I think that happens in the second or third one. Yeah, no, I have no promises to get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, I take it back. Marco's still a shit in this one. Yeah. He's still... This actually proves, in fact, Marco would be a men's right activist. Men's yes, rights activist. absolutely, because he is that in this book. He literally does that at the end of Yes. This. I mean... Even if it had, I don't know, because I feel like roles reverse, he still would have been like, he may not have called her a wuss, but he would have been like, you grow a pair and go attack her. I don't know. You're saying if the roles were reversed, Marco would have said that. I don't feel like it's a gender thing. Yeah. I think if once he found out that it was one gender over another. Um, I don't maybe know. just to spark conflict, because that seems like a Marco thing to do. But I bet if it had been a male-dominant species, he wouldn't have given it a second thought. If you were saying that they do enslave males, and it was females who were being enslaved. Yes. He would make jokes about a Princess Leia bikini. Yes, yeah, agreed. Like, it wouldn't have seemed wrong to him. And then Cassie and Rachel would glare at him and be like, what? I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Quote, shitty dudes on the internet, 21st century. But it's nice to give him, like... Like, I'd like to live in a world where Marco would do that, where he would just, regardless of the gender, just apply his issues evenly. But I don't think we live in that world. I don't know. Okay. You want to roll into your animal facts then, Alex? Well, I am good with that. I believe that first, one of us uh, tried to steal the other's baby rabbit 
and now has to make a retraction. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. So, I guess before we go into Alex's animal facts, we'll go into Tim's animal facts corrections. Um, It turns out meth gators... Tim's animal lies. Meth gators aren't real. I guess that was... shocker. (laughs) Just some Tennessee police officers who were, I guess, not telling us exactly how the world is so yes i take that back off the table i guess you can go ahead and flush your meth i i don't know i don't know what actually happens but it doesn't make meth gators i'm sorry for not not verifying my sources to be fair it was nashville's newspaper so you're not the only one who has (laughs) some apologies (laughs) to make here i thought it was a reputable enough news source apparently the take hey don't flush your mouth down the toilet not not actually valid. Yeah. Although I still... You should I, still I, yeah. not flush anything other than toilet paper down the toilet. Just for the record, don't flush your drugs yeah. down the I toilet. Like, what if, what if I have a dead goldfish that I need to give a proper burial? Then put it in a box and go out back. And then flush it down the <laughs> toilet? No. You're going to make goldfish zilla that way. I mean, if I flush the meth, how many goldfish can I flush <laughs> with it? Did you just say you can't flush anything but toilet paper? You should not flush anything but toilet paper down. That Okay. Is this like some kind of yeah. like don't oh. use the bathroom thing? Because like my point being is that you... Because I've, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> I live <laughs> I in a only... city where they had to go into the sewers to break up big blobs of just stuff. Oh, okay. So yes, unless it is meant okay. <laughs> to go down a toilet, you jackass. <laughs> You're familiar with garbage islands in the Pacific? These are subterranean garbage islands. I believe it was called, like, Fatbird or whatever. There were a lot of signs for a while. Excuse me while I go work on my Fantastic Four spec script about Mole Man. <laughs> my Fantastic Four script would be very good. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I've, I've heard most of it, and I, I think it would. Now that Tim has recanted his lies, <laughs> I would like to not only return to animal trivia... But to monetizable animal trivia. What animal do you all suppose is responsible for the most human injuries inside of Yellowstone Park every year? Yeah, that that would have been... Oh, I know what the story is. I don't, so I'm going to stick with Moose. Moose? Meg, since you know what it is, would you like to tell me? Is this the one about the girl that got um, um, hit by a bison or whatever? This is about bison. Um, I saw that video too. It is not specifically about that girl. This is a popular science article giving people advice on how not to be attacked by bison. Uh, Okay. Valuable information here. Yes. So um, I'm going to kind of cut down to the the, uh, body of this. Bison may look like big, cuddly, slow-moving animals. They are anything but... The herbivorous ruminants, which is the name of my new rock band, can weigh as much as 2,000 pounds, but will run at speeds of up to 35 miles per hour, three times faster than humans, and jump over objects up to five feet tall. So, 1.25 Cassies. Nice. They are agile, good swimmers, and have exceptional vision, hearing, and sense of smell. They are most aggressive during their mating seasons in late July and August, and calving season in April and May. Uh, the advice basically boils down to this. Don't fuck with bison. 
stay at least 25 yards away from bison, implores Linda Varis, park spokesperson for National or for Yellowstone National Park. All they want is their space. Uh, most people who are attacked by bison get within 25 feet of them or pause to take pictures of them and turn their backs to them and just generally do, I don't know, stupid things like turning your back on a bison. <laughs> see if i got any picture of bison when it deals um the trick to seeing bison is not only to keep your distance but use your head if you want to get a good look without endangering yourself or the animals varus recommends binoculars or a telephoto camera lens and if they're in or alongside the road you may roll down your windows to get a better look but don't get out of the car oh i definitely have a picture of bison <laughs> if you cause an animal to move you're too close but here is my brilliant money-making plan. Okay. You know how you, can ha- how you can hire people to put you through kidnapping training? <laughs> yes. I propose that should we all get morphing powers, we let people hire us to put them through bison training. So we basically just run over them. <laughs> well, we set up parameters, and if they violate those parameters... <laughs> We begin to charge, and this just at the last minute, we're over go like, hey, see, almost got you there. Don't fuck with bison. <laughs> That's going, that went very different than I thought it was. I thought you meant, like, renting ourselves out for, like, photos. Like, the friendly bison you can get within 25 yards of. I mean, okay, I'm talking our standard. Pack. Okay. <laughs> if you want, if you want the deluxe VIP, <laughs> then we will let you approach... And take pictures. Don't turn your back. Oh, there. Yep, I have a picture of bison. I can, I can, I can see that. That one's actually pretty reasonable. I think. I think we can offer a valuable service here, and it's not limited to bison. Maybe you, uh, maybe you need people to to learn. Don't fuck with wolverines yeah. or honey badgers. Big old snakes. Maybe there's not a Ricky Ticky Tavi around. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? You get to fuck with a snake, and there's no Ricky Ticky Tavi. <laughs> Don't do it. And that's what we could say if we were the snake. Hey, yo, do you see a Ricky Tiki Tavi? I don't see a Ricky Tiki Tavi. I could bite you. <laughs> and then another one of us comes out as a Ricky Tiki Tavi. And they're like, hey, yo, I was too late. There were Ricky Tiki Tavis here. But we couldn't get here in time to stop that snake. And you're dead. Don't fuck with snakes. Or guess what? Don't fuck with Ricky Tiki Tavis either. We bite. Do you think they still make kids read Ricky Tiki Tavi in school? Is that one still hanging on? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? What's his name who wrote that and the Jungle Book is problematic enough that I'm okay with that. Kipling, that's right. Do you like Kipling, Tim? <laughs> I don't know. I've never kippled, Alex. In Soviet Russia, Alex kippled you. Good lord. <laughs> don't fuck with Kipling. <laughs> All right. So that one I think is actually reasonable. We can sell two hour blocks. Of buy some time to people. We could also be sharks. We could. Don't fuck with sharks. Happy Shark Week, everyone. Is it Shark Week already? Actually, I feel I think like... by the time this comes out, Shark Week will be over. <laughs> I feel like it's Shark Week like once every like three months. <laughs> I, that that's probably I know it happens at least or it happens more than once a year. Alrighty. Meg, you had a listener question. I do, but I want to send a picture of a bison oh, to you okay. guys. <laughs> Okay, well, while Meg finds pictures of bisons, what other animals should people not fuck with? Oh, don't fuck with ticks? There's some new invasive species of ticks coming out. I guess they're in alpha or beta right now. I don't know. Tim Cook hasn't said when they'll be out yet, but I guess they'll be out at some point. There are articles about ticks, new invasive ticks. 
Okay, if you're going to talk about ticks, I'm done. Okay. I think this picture was taken from more than 25 yards. So, well done, Meg. It's also in a car. Ugh, two for two. You do not need bison training. No, I've been to Yellowstone. I do not need bison. Okay, so here's a question based on our last episode. Um, going to ask the, just let me finish before, okay? Okay. All right. Listening to this week, they said Melissa Chapman hasn't been yerked yet. I agree that's true, but why? Wouldn't Chapman have been able to and wanted to have the entire family taken? That makes the home life much easier and allows for more opportunity to get control. He's aware of why Melissa has not been controlled, but the question still stands. Once one adult in a family is turned, why wouldn't they immediately turn the rest of the family? Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I mean... This then proceeded to go on to, like, you could go out to eat with his husband and his kid, and I, and ride with us, then bam, we didn't take you to the Olive Garden or some shit. Nope, it's a York Bowl. Because <laughs> let's be honest, the York Bowl entrance is definitely in the Olive Garden. <laughs> so there's two parts here. Okay. One, why not start with an adult and, like, circle your way out from that starting point? Why are we picking people at random? And two, is there a food that you would get yerked for? Well... I say, why pick people at random? Because if you go with any one specific group of people, you don't have the same sort of of penetration into multiple social groups. I get that. I'm not saying, like, start with one person and then spread out. But, yeah. like, why is it? Why hasn't Tom tried to, I don't know, he's learning to drive. Let's take dad. Oh, no, we're suddenly to York Pool. And then, oh, no, mom. And now we're... Jake's got to run away. So the 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 reason that this is a very good question to me, it, it's going to be kind of a stupid example, but it's the Chapman's cat. So the Chapman's cat provided an opportunity for somebody to infiltrate the Chapman's home, which led to loss of information. So like, if you were to take the whole family, you lessen the opportunities. Not saying that they would have thought to take the cat, but you lessen the opportunities for that to happen you create a better defense so i'm i'm gonna say that should be the way that they're doing it right i mean but also you have the reason like if you want chapman to actually cooperate you gotta leave melissa yeah Yeah, no taking out we're taking out that variable but i mean i guess there's an argument but it depends on how many yorks you have this is true available on earth this is true in need of hosts it depends on like i mean what realistically can jake do that tom can't other than morph which they don't know and that's another good example is, do they have anything at Tom's house? Like they had the, the communications array at Chapman's house, and that you definitely would want to protect. But you probably don't have that same communications array at Tom's house. So maybe there's less of an opportunity to lose that information. Yeah. So that would be a, that would be a, a good thought, too, is what are, you, what are you investing into that family? And if it's a lot, then yes, take the whole family. One of the reasons that he brings up is that the quicker you invade the family, the less you have to pretend. Yeah. And then a family unit can trick more people into going with them to be infected. Like right now, they're kind of relying on this social group. I'm not saying that there's a right way or a wrong way. I just think this is actually like one of Visitor 3's downfalls. Does he not understand the importance of a family unit? But there's also Visitor 1 who has been a human for a good amount of time from what we can understand. It's a valid point. It is. Now, what food would you get your unlimited breadsticks, man? Potato. <laughs> ah! You said that right as I took a drink. Thank you. <laughs> Mashed potatoes? I make them with 
I had mashed potatoes for dinner. I make very good mashed potatoes. Mm. Mashed potato contest next time you're in town. Should I be screaming when you say mashed potato? Or does that not count? Yes. Uh, uh, uh. Um, something. But legit, though. Your oh. family's acting weird. So, in in Disney World, which I am nowhere near. I so the pub across from Haunted Mansion. There's a there's a uh, Irish place that I don't remember the name of, or like an Irish themed place. But the bread pudding there, Epcot. No, it's not Epcot. It's not in Epcot. It's in Downtown Disney, and I don't remember the name of it. But they have bread pudding there, and it's amazing. And I'd probably get yerked for that. I can cook, so I don't need to get yerked for food. I can cook too. I'm a pretty fucking good cook. But if so, if someone was like, "Hey, we're going to Henry's," and I'm like, "God damn, do you know the last time I had any food? I am in." Like, do I know up front that I'll get yerked if I go? No, but your family's acting weird, and you're just kind of like, "Well, I don't want to be dealing with that." And they're like, "Hey, I'm going to treat you to dinner at Unlimited Breadsticks," and then you're like, "You're acting really weird." But unlimited breadsticks. Place. The chicken ooh la at Henry's is phenomenal. Henry's what? is really, really fucking yeah. good. I guess the thing I'm struggling with is Shrimp what is my fit. family doing that is so weird that it is you beyond their normal level of weird? It is the beyond the level of normal weird that you're like, hmm, well, you offer me free food, but I don't particularly want to go to that place, so I'm just going to say no. Crocio said place that I would definitely get yurked for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I probably shouldn't admit this into a microphone, but those words, sorry I have rehearsal, super useful. Isn't there like a really good Mexican place that you love that they're like, only serve certain foods on certain days that you're like, god damn it, I forgot about it because it's X day, like today? Funny you mention this Mexican place. For a year and a half, a couple of friends and I have been trying to find a Tuesday we could go on Churro Day. We were going to go last week and something came up, so we went today. And guess what? Two weeks ago, they stopped fucking oh, serving on no. Tuesdays. <laughs> but terrible. if your family was like, hey, I heard when they're doing a last churro day today. And you're like, man, I don't know. You guys have been acting really weird, but it's the last churro day. <laughs> you would not put up with family awkwardness and thus get yurked for churro day. I mean, for this hypothetical, am I accepting that my family would want to go a place that I would normally never be able to drag them to? I told you, they're acting weird. <laughs> they're so acting weird that they're like, we're going to this place that you told us time and time again we should try. And we've always been like, nah, we're good. I don't, that's good food. My stomach, it's not good. And they're like, but we got Maybe I read Animorphs books growing up. I feel like I would think it's a trap. There's like five different places I'd be like, yeah, okay. Tim. Predict oh, what happens. Come on, on, I had it. I had it. No. Okay. You wouldn't have. So, but I just this one is called the extreme, according to my bookmark. So clearly, they're going to the X Games or doing some kind of extreme sport. Um, Marco is in a skateboard competition, and there are some other your controllers in this same skateboard competition. Um, and they have to go down a mountain on their skateboards called the K twelve and. Marco's going to try and impress a girl. You know what? I think that's the best prediction you've had in probably the last like seven episodes. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's the plot to a John Cusack movie, just not with skiing. But I mean, it's John Cusack. Yeah, okay, All good. Right. No, but I do think that, that based on the name, it's going to have some kind of extreme sport involved. And since this is the 90s, it's got to. 
All right. is this is extreme. Did, did you say that 25 is the one where the ghost-written books start? It, yes. We do start with ghost-writing next okay. book. Then yes. yes, definitely. Extreme sports. So, Tim, yes. I need the name of an alien species. Let's do Romulans this time. I thought we only did this if he couldn't come up with a <laughs> summary. Don't harsh my vibe. <laughs> I need the, the name of, like... A kind of device or machine. A uh, divine, like a, a divining rod, like a Xerox. A divining rod that okay. works. I need a land. Is that rock. a machine? Big Ben. And I need an article of clothing. Uh, overalls. It's not a Cassie book. <laughs> Just saying. Overalls, but you only have one of the straps done. The other one is open. The Romulans are at it again. They're in the process of building a massive ground-based divining rod. <laughs> The Animorphs aren't sure where, but they know it's somewhere near Big Ben. And one thing is certain, Big Ben is no place for kids and overalls. <laughs> okay, that made no <laughs> reference to any extreme sports. <laughs> so I'm betting I wasn't close. I wonder what is extreme about the next book then. I'll give you a hint. Yes. The place they go could be described with the name of a Mortal Kombat character. Oh, okay. I was okay. Really doing the nope. X game. Now it's summary. I, I should have. If that book had been written any other decade, that might have been now, the place uh, I went to. Which, which Sub Zero? Er, yeah. Nope. I got it. It's okay. I already knew okay. which one you were talking okay. about. Yeah. So where are they going? Antarctica. I'm assuming. Oh. B. Uh, you're 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 completely wrong in the most possibly <laughs> like order of magnitude way. The Arctic Circle. The North, the North Pole? Pole. Yeah. I didn't want to be too specific give myself some options they're gonna stop the yurks from infiltrating santa's (laughs) workshop it's about time somebody did the uh the last line is the north pole is no place for kids in spandex can somebody make me like a a poster of mr claus or something that i can hang up on my house during christmas i really like the idea of santa claus really enjoyed our the x game (laughs) it was weird enough I have one problem. You came too close to the pun without hitting it. We both know it would be the Axe Games. Oh, man. I'm so disappointed in myself. It absolutely would be the Axe Games. <laughs> so what did you want to talk about, Meg? Oh, so when this episode comes out, um, we don't do a lot of plugging stuff on here, but I will be guest hosting on a seven-part series that discusses the movie Seven. I think I'm on episode six. I think I'm on... Nope, maybe episode five. I don't remember. I'm doing the fifth sin that I do know. If we want to know what's in the box, will you tell us? No, because that oh. is not my episode. What did, what did you say the name of the podcast was? Seven and Seven, Seven I think. and Seven. Okay. I will add that to my list. Yes, I believe it starts. I just had this up and I completely closed everything down. August 8th, but let me double check. Yeah, it's Seven and Seven and it starts August 5th. Cool. So I will be on August 10th. We will make sure to keep our our eyes open for that. All four of them. All four of them. Are you anything you want to talk about, Alex? Panelology. If you want to hear me talk about comics, uh, Meg was on a recent episode. Maybe not the most recent when this one comes out, but two episodes ago. And occasional guest host here, MJ and I have a new podcast going through the body of work of Rob Thomas. Okay, I was waiting oh, for shoot. someone to jump in. Uh, yeah, That's fine. I'm, I'm not used to um, it. Oh, I went, immediately went to, oh God, who's he going to kill a nice zombie? I can't. I'm not 
Look, I've got feels that have to be worked out, and I still have three days before I can do it. In this case, it is the Rob Thomas who does mm-hmm. iZombie and did Veronica Mars. Does Veronica Mars once again? The once and future Rob Thomas. <laughs> we are currently working through the first season of Veronica Mars. When this comes out, well, two episodes are out. The third will be out next week. And uh, it's a lot of fun, so check it out. That's awesome. All right. Hold on. I think we do the outro first, and then Alex picks a page. See, yes. it's not just no, me. You know what? As soon as I got in the seat and it was my responsibility, I blew it. I completely whipped. Hey, you know what? Don't fuck with me. <laughs> Here I am throwing stones from my glass house every week. All right. That one's Street Fighter, not Mortal Kombat. <laughs> in Bison. Ah, good one. We'd like to thank Christina Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art from her, email her at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com or visit her at Chaos Does Art on Instagram. Fever social means at Minds at Yerk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at Minds at Yerk at gmail.com. Website is Minds at Yerk.com. Spell Yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean. And if we're not on your podcatcher, let us know. You know, if the movie Cats, the musical Cats, were actually about anteaters, the middle stage of this is exactly what those character models would look like. It's like someone decided to do a live-action Arthur reboot. Oh man, that does look like a a creepy evil Arthur, doesn't it? What was Arthur? What kind of... An aardvark. Uh, Oh, was he really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Okay. You ready, Alex? There's a whole episode of that where he has to learn to spell Aardvark. It's the only episode of that I think I've ever seen. And I still remember the song he uses to learn to spell Aardvark. Oh my god, please close out the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, somebody say when. 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 How else can you be sure she will not make a mistake? Uh, That's a good one. Alright, I've been Tim. Potato! Ah! My name is Alex. I'm Megan. And until then, we fight. <laughs>